Welcome to episode three in our inaugural series of the Business is Good podcast entitled Good Placeology, where we are investigating and discussing the foundational elements of good place and good place organizations. Again, my name is Chris Young, and I serve as the president of the Good Place Institute. As always, I'm joined by my good friend and colleague, our chief marketing officer here at Good Place Holdings, Josh Mitchell. In this third episode, uh, we're going to jump into a little bit more detail of those foundational elements we briefly highlighted in episode two. Uh, We're going to start at the very beginning. I hear that's a very good place to start if you're a Sound of Music Julie Andrews fan. You know, most people today will quote Top Gun or Dumb and Dumber. You go jump right into the sound of music. I think that says a little bit about you, Chris, but I'm excited to see where we're going with this. It might be a little embarrassing, but yeah, more, more insights into our personality. So yeah, the, the foundational starting place for a good place is God's Word, uh, mainly the Bible. So our topic is why the Bible in business? So once again, we welcome you. Uh, Grab a cup of coffee if you haven't already done so, Uh, whether you're at your uh, office table or or, or in your car. uh, Please join us in this conversation as friends who lead businesses and organizations. uh, We're going to jump into episode three of Good Place Ology. So Chris, you started off with the the title of this, this episode is Why the Bible in Business. But you, you made a statement before you went into the title of it, and you said, the starting place for good place is God's word. Now, you know, depending on your, your faith background or anything, you could read into a lot of different things because we're talking about Bible, we're talking about God's word. What, what does that actually mean? Can you unpack that a little bit of the starting place for good place is God's word, mainly the Bible? Excellent. Yeah, Edward, don't want to really get into, uh, you know, theology 305 class here, but the Bible itself starts at the very beginning. You know, the, the very first book, Genesis, the very first words out of the gate are in the beginning, you know, God. Uh, it actually talks about God having no beginning, but in the beginning of time, God created the world and everything in it. He created with his words. So when we talk about God and his word, uh, we're mainly talking about, again, the Bible. Uh, We're talking about Jesus as the Word, and we're even talking about God communicating through creation. So uh, a couple verses uh, in the Bible um, talk about Jesus. Uh, The most famous one is probably John 1.1, talking about, in the beginning was the Word. Uh, The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the reference uh, of Word uh, is Jesus. He is the Word made flesh. Moving on kind of into creation, uh, Romans 1.20 says, uh, For since the creation of the world, His, God's, invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through that which has been made, um, so that we're, out, we're without excuse. So it, it points to even creation, you know, nature, people, that the stuff that's been created um, communicates God and his purpose and design. And we'll talk about that a little bit later uh, in this episode. So the Bible, you know, God's word, or I could say God's words, they're an account of those things. Uh, I mean, that's great. I, there's a lot to unpack even with that, those statements. That I think we could talk a long time about that. 
But getting main to the main topic of this is why the Bible and business. I don't know uh, if that's the starting place for most business leaders. Uh, you know, we could I could quote many books that I've read and people have suggested to me that uh, make my business better or to be a bit better business leader. You know, you think of good to great. You think of all these these. I mean, people, most business leaders could just spout out five books very quickly because that's what we've thrown around so many times. But yet we are going, you are going and saying, why the Bible in business? Yeah, this is a great question. It's an obvious question. It's a question we get a lot when we talk about this topic. Unfortunately, uh, I say in jest, uh, we also wrote a book. So some of my answer is going to come from that book. Sorry for the shameless plug. Uh, The book is called The Good Place Organization, uh, A Leader's Guide to Stewarding Good Place Organizations. Um, And and kind of maybe even backing up a tiny, tiny bit to answer your question, Josh. Um, We talk with and work with uh, many people and many organizations that believe in the Bible uh, and those that don't, uh, that believe in God and those that don't, that believe in the God of the Bible and those that don't um, in, a, in a certain way. And, and I think, you know, you and I and, and certainly hopefully our listeners will understand when I'm about to say this, you know, in an organizational setting, that's wonderful that we're working with all walks of life, all people that can feel like they belong to a good place because most people want to live, work and be a part of, you know, a good place, if you will. So I'm going to reference the book a little bit um, in regards to this, that it kind of in our context doesn't matter, if you will, you know, what you believe about the Bible. Um, if you to, to use it for organizational uh, life, for the purpose of work, for organizational success, if you will. Right. So if you believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God or simply the facts about the Bible, that, you know, it, it was the best. It, it, excuse me. It is the best selling book of all time. You know, so. Before, kind of before I get to that answer, I'll go to the place where we get our premise, the foundation and definition of good and good place. You know, again, the Bible, God and his word, um, Jesus, his creation, the definition of good and good place is the Bible. So regardless of your view of the Bible, whether you believe it's simply a historical work of literature, uh, a depiction of history, or the actual inerrant word of God, the Bible, uh, outside of its religious context, is a book. Or if you're a theology geek like some of us are, uh, it's actually and, and more accurately described as a library of books. Um, it stood the test of time. It significantly influenced the world in which we live. It, it's estimated uh, through the Guinness Book of World Records that that the Bible is the best-selling and distributed book of all time. Approximately 5 billion copies sold and distributed worldwide. Uh, the Bible, including its principles and values, have been used as the foundation of the most sustainable and successful governments and leadership uh, that has shaped societies and cultures around the world for centuries. You know, specifically our own Western civilization and culture. And there's books written on that. As a disclaimer, uh, I would say this, you know, the Bible has also been used for um 
and, and applied wrongly for some of the most horrific injustices and wrongdoing in the world. Um, just again, as a disclaimer, uh, we would suggest that those who use it to justify those wrongdoings, uh, they either do so knowingly in complete contrast to the storyline of the Bible, the meta narrative of the Bible uh, and God's love, or they do so unknowingly because of, of ignorance of that true storyline. But regardless, um, of, of whether you believe it's the inerrant word of God or just believe the facts about it and its influence on the entire world, our culture, on people, um, it is where we want to go to get and where we do go to get the definitions of our terms like good. It's where we go to derive those principles and values that we're going to build work, our purpose of work, our, our definitions of organizational life, and ultimately um, the criteria uh, that we use to, to define success. Talking about definitions, principles, values, success, all of those things, we, we keep coming back to the question, why the Bible? But what about the Bible gives us the reason for all of those to, to actually answer those questions and the guide for all of that? Wonderful. And, and I think there's many, many arguments, you know, that we could we could stand up to answer that question. Um, the one that I like, and again, sorry, we, we use it in the book. It, it, I call it the purpose and design argument. Some might call it the intelligent design argument. Uh, there's moral arguments, there's, you know, cosmological arguments, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, but I like to use this, this purpose and design argument um, because the Bible and, and the God of the Bible uh, shares his purpose and his design with us and with creation. Um, when you look around, creation has purpose and design, whether you look at nature um, whether you look at people, uh, there is purpose and design uh, in our world. And so um, what we put forth that we think is, is the most reasonable, logical, and, and certainly makes the most biblical sense, that when we see this design in our world, uh, we look to a designer to understand the purpose for which that thing was designed. We look to the designer for the purpose um, for which it's been created or developed or innovated. Um, everything, you know, we look, we look to the, the, excuse me, we look to the Bible because it describes the designer. It describes the creator of the universe and everything in it um, for its purpose and what it's, what is it, what is good about it. We look to the Bible because it claims to be the designer's words about the purpose of our world and our lives together and imposes design principles and values for us to follow. So if we're guided by these principles and values and, and we're led by the intended design in life, in the life of an individual, in the life of an organization, in the life of the community, in the life of our world at large, uh, we will be optimizing the intended design and fulfilling its intended purpose. So what we will find ourselves doing, uh, what we'll find ourselves building and producing is good. And we call that a good place. One of the questions I like to ask ourselves at times is, you know, is there anything else in the world or in creation or from our human experience that we see purpose and design in, um, you know, 
I think about the world, you know, this incomprehensible range and mix of interconnectedness and dependencies, you know, that, that we look for, or excuse me, we experience in nature, um, in ecosystems like the ocean or, you know, in photosynthesis or uh, in the in the cosmos or even in our own bodies. You know, we are a system of systems. We have a respiratory system and a nervous system and um, all of those things. You know, we were designed intricately and uniquely to fulfill a purpose. And it's so very interesting that, you know, I could look at a building and just automatically know uh, it was designed for a purpose. You know, we have fun with this. You know, you look at a Chipotle, you know, and you know, just, just you know, you know, it wasn't designed or, or has a, a purpose to be a governmental building, you know, or you look at, you know, I don't know, fill in the blank. You know, you, you look at a, a piece of art, you know, and you want to study the author. Hey, what was the author's intended purpose be, behind the design of that beautiful work of art or music or the iPhone or what happened? Have you right? Um, the the only thing, and again, this is interesting and and somewhat humorous. Maybe if it wasn't so sad, uh, we look at human life, and we know inherently that there's design. Therefore, there's purpose. And then all of a sudden, we have this idea that oh, that just came about by random chance. It's like human life is the only thing we look at with with intelligent purpose and design, and then all of a sudden, jump to this somewhat illogical conclusion that it just came about by random chance. It's very bizarre to me and certainly doesn't align with what the Bible says about the designer and the creator of the universe. So, (laughs) um, it's interesting too. another quick topic, maybe, maybe as an aside, um, Again, whether you believe in the Bible or not, some people are are involved in this inter- industry called biomimicry, where people are. This is fascinating. Um, I, I attended a conference several years ago up at Case Western Reserve University, and, and they did a wonderful job of highlighting biomimicry. Um, and what is biomimicry? Well, it's the idea that people look in nature, they see the optimal design of things, and then they try to mimic that in the manufacture of our products or the manufacture or development of something we use here um, in this world, like uh, a dolphin who optimally, you know, uh, swimmingly streaks through the water and they look at the dolphin's design and the sleekness of his skin and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well out of my league on this topic, by the way. Um, and then they try to say, okay, this is how we should make wetsuits or this is how we should, you know, paint the, the under bottom of a boat so it can sleekly and optimally go through the water. Or the one I love uh, is a sunflower. Well, you know, people have stu- engineers have studied the sunflower and found that evidently uh, it, it collects, you know, energy from the sun, it optimally distributes water. So probably a pretty famous manufacturer here in Northeast Ohio called Moen uh, uh, has a sunflower shower head because it optimally distributes water. So it's interesting because we're looking at nature, uh, the Bible would call it creation, that has designed things optimally. Um, we've designed, you know, city streets this way to optimally uh, um address traffic issues or what have you. But we look in nature. The whole idea is we're looking in nature. Nature has somehow, quote unquote, found a way to optimally design or excuse me, fulfill the purpose by its design. And we as humans, we're looking at it to manufacture our own goods. It's fantastic. 
It's 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 wonderful, right? Um, so in 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 kind of a, a microcosm, we're looking to do the same thing in organizations. Hey, Bible. Hey, God. Hey, creation. What do you say about work? What do you say about organizational life? How can we derive those values and principles, apply them to organizational life with the definition of good, with the definition of success in God's economy, in a biblical economy, which is good? And how do we do that well? And we'll get to the tools and methods and resources, you know, later on in different episodes um, in order to build those, you know, excuse me, to build into those building blocks that make that kind of an organization and to steward it well. Um, but that's what we're trying to do. It's almost biomimicry uh, applied to organizational life and organizational leadership. I've, I've got to say, I, I don't think the viewers or myself thought when we asked the question, why the Bible in business, we'd be talking about nature uh, and in systems in nature and creation. Uh, I think we're starting to get into some really deep stuff. Uh, I have, I have questions just coming out of this that we probably could talk for a lot of minutes beyond this, but I know that we're going to get into that as further episodes. So I, I want to thank you, Chris. I, I always appreciate your passion when it comes to talking about these topics. Um, it, it encourages me and I'm sure hopefully it encourages our viewers or listeners as well. So thanks again for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. It's always a pleasure to have these conversations. So thanks again. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. And like you said, we have many, many, many more questions to ask. You know, there, there's questions that I still ask and we still ask and we're on a journey of uncovering layer upon layer of this wonderful topic of optimizing the design of organizational life and trying to achieve organizational success um, in its optimal way. So, you know, not to continue to prolong our conversation, but some of those questions that we still love to ask, you know, and, and we'll answer in subsequent episodes of our podcast are things like, hey, what is a good place according to to the designer and architect of good places, mm -hmm. you know, of this world, you know, what are the designer's purposes for creating good place? And honestly, what's the overall storyline of the Bible? Because you can pick, you know, and people have done this, pick pieces of the Bible out of it and, and read it way out of context. We end up at a really, really bad place. Yep. So what's the overall storyline of the Bible? What does it say about the purpose and design of human life, of work, as we talked about, of life in an organization and in these good places? And, you know, again, hopefully you'll stay tuned for subsequent episodes because we'll talk about the answers to those questions as, as we move along in this Good Placeology series. Uh, thank you all who joined us through your podcast platform. We hope you enjoyed this episode three in our series called Good Placeology. We hope you got further understanding of, of the why and also some of the foundational source of truth of Good Place and Good Place organizations. As always, if you'd like to know more, you're welcome to visit the Good Place Institute website. Uh, while you're there... You're also able to pick up a copy of the book that we referenced in this episode. In the meantime, we look forward to getting coffee with you again soon and sharing another conversational episode with you. Mm -hmm.